Everybody, welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Rob, how are you doing? Doing terrific, Todd. How are you? I'm uh, I'm alive and uh, yeah. and good. So yeah. uh, no complaints. It's uh, it's Saturday morning, and I got up uh, relatively early and did some chores. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> to chores, do that word just brings to mind so much joy and <laughs> you know and fun, doesn't it? Chore. <laughs> It does, you know, and it's uh, because it is, that's exactly what it is. It's a chore. It's something you don't want to do, but it has to be done. And, uh, well, that, that's life right there, isn't <laughs> that's it? That's right. Things that you don't necessarily always like to do. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, it's like taking out the trash, you yep. know, getting rid of the Amazon empty boxes, recycling. Of course, right. I live in the country. If I want to recycle, it goes, there's no recycle. <laughs> just goes into a big bag right well it goes like no a, we've got a, a burn barrel. burn pit yeah you know <laughs> so uh you know it's it's kind of interesting but change of lifestyle living in the city than living in the country and you're like oh, yeah. you're used to the garbage truck arriving once a week well there's there's no such thing <laughs> so anyway everyone welcome to the show you don't want to hear about my garbage and uh <laughs> hope you're all doing well and uh the world of podcasting continues and, you know, Rob, uh, you know, as you and I have been conversing over the past couple of days and, and, uh, thinking about what's going on in the space, you know, it's really a wonderful time for podcasters because there's really, if you think about it, you know, it, it, I don't want to start off on the same theme from the last show, but it's like lim limitless possibilities for yes. content creators. And, you know, you can't say that about really anything else. Yeah. You know, you, you can to a certain extent on other content platforms, but really it's, um, and I, I think I just go back to that again. It's almost like going back to the roots again and again and again that, you know, I just look at me, I, you know, from where I started as, as a non-entity, you know, as a blogger, poor one very very poor blogger you know i maybe had 300 people a week went to my website and uh it just this opportunity to just talk about stuff you're passionate about and even though my show is not massive it uh you know it's it served me well and i've had a good time with it and i think that in the end is for a lot of us it's all it's important right yeah i think that the opportunities in podcasting have never, you know, I mean, I've always been, you know, if, if we want to, you know, talk, talk a bit about, um, the openness of the medium, it's really a blank canvas that's open to all, um, to, to be involved in great content, um, from all over the world, from all sorts of diverse cultures and races. And, you know, I think that it's, it's a medium, like you say, Todd, that's really open to everyone. And, and I, I'm really proud of that. And I think it's, it's really exciting to see podcasting industry reflect the world. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what it's turned into. And I, yeah. it's, it's really exciting. I don't know how many early events that we went to, that it was definitely, uh, not that no. back in the early days of the medium. Um, but certainly we progressed quite far on that, um, you know, and I, I think back too, and you know, the early days were technically challenging, you know, right. and, uh, we, we, you know, we have to acknowledge that, 
But I think that it's at the same time, um, I really probably didn't realize until later mm-hmm. what really true, what, what, what the true scope of what would be created would be. And I think some other folks did much, much earlier. I, I think back to, um, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get pummeled by them. They're a couple of gentlemen out of New York and, um, the feast of fools. Um, remember that show? It was, a um, uh, LGBTQ, the Mark Mellon and what was his partner's name? Uh, don't remember, you know, and they really, you know, to me, that's when I kind of had this eye opening that, wow, you know, we're empowering voices and it, it, it really, I think, and it didn't happen in this, again, it was a little bit later, maybe in mm-hmm. the first six, seven, eight months, we're just trying to figure things out technically and make things work and try to stay on the air. And, and you had all this kind of cool content popping up all over the place and, um, and really didn't realize later to, you know, to put it frankly, what what was happening and uh, in retrospect um it, it was a cool time and in and and i don't like to use that keep going back to that gatekeeper word that i so love to use right now but you know it, it was a different time but now you know there's lots of opportunities instagram twitter facebook you have lots of places you can share and do stuff mm-hmm. and have communications and and yeah. uh but then you know what we started I think in what we have today. And if you look at the makeup of events that we were going to, that were physical events, pretty split crowd, 50, 50. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been great. That is for sure. And, and I think it's continuing to expand and, and move in a really positive direction. But Todd, I did want to mention something um, that I, I shouldn't really have to say, but I, I need to probably say it. And that's, um, you know, some of the things that we talk about on the show are kind of, you know, my own opinions on things. Um, they don't necessarily hundred percent represent, um, my employer Lipson. So I just wanted to put that out there. So sometimes I think people, um, link up some of the things that we talk about on this show with our employers as the official positions of our employers. And that's just not the case. So, um, there's multiple voices in any company <clears throat> and any one person just has, has a contribution to make to any kind of a conversation on a topic or, or issue. And, and, um, you know, I don't believe that we're always the ones that are in charge of making final decisions on, on anything. So some of the things that we talk about on this show, um, are mostly our personal opinions about stuff and our, and focus on our efforts to, better the medium um and sometimes we don't get stuff right and we say things that you know are may not people may not agree with um but those are thoughts and we're an evolving um couple of guys here that are learning from what's happening in the world too so and we're just trying to bring you along and and share with you our thoughts so at the same at the same token rob i think our perspectives are such that 
comes from a period of being here a while right? in a space and seeing what has evolved. And a lot of people don't have that long-term perspective just because they may be a, a newcomer to the space or maybe right. even a new competitor to the space and have preconceived ideas about, and they have no idea the makeup of one's companies or how we got from point A to point B right. or any of that stuff that has been done. So I think that's important too. But at the same point, you know, I think we both understand that the space has, has, uh, today there's, there's no barriers to entry for anyone doing content. And that's in the end, really, you know, the, the crux of it. Now, yes, there may be, um, financial, yes, there might be equipment barriers, but you know, with free offerings out there like Anchor, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a cell phone or any type of recording device, you know, you really can get started today for nothing, you know. And uh, so there is truly, from that perspective, no no barriers to entry. And right, and there's always room for improvement on all these fronts. And I, I, I believe on, in every issue in the podcasting space, there is room for improvement. And change is, is part of that. And I think, if anything, Todd, you and I are trying to reflect change in the medium in this show as much as we can. Uh, we don't always comprehend the full, full, you know, ramifications of it or the full impact of change that happens in all aspects, whether it be technology or content or monetization or all these issues that come up in the space. And all we can do is reflect the thoughts of the moment. And, but we're also open to people giving us feedback and give us ideas on how maybe we need to think about things differently as you look to the future. And, and, and I think just generally in our culture, that's kind of what, how we need to approach these things, um, is to realize that we're all learning. I've always said too, Rob, that, uh, the reason we do this show and the reason that we have people on and the reason that we talk with content creators every day is we have to keep a pulse on what's going on, what's changing. You know, my business per se, you know, is not necessarily in the content business. Yeah, I create content on this show. I create content my own for my own podcast. Like, you know, we do an internal show for Blueberry, but we're not in the building of content business. We, we don't hire talent. We don't uh, screen ideas. At least at Blueberry, that's not part of our business model today. And uh, we're here to serve. We're here to, you know, that's why we're a service provider is we're here to serve those that are creating content and those that are building networks and give advice. I was on a phone call with a, you know, with a, this week with some folks that are looking at building networks and have uh, some exciting ideas coming out. And uh, it's not, it's not me to interject about the content that they're creating because that's their game plan. It's my job to say, okay, let's, let's structure the way you're going to, you know, display this or, you know, how you're going to interlink it and give some, you know, some, I, you know, all I can do is go back and give them historical stuff like what we did at tech podcast in the early days and say, Hey, there has to be a user agreement. There has to be commitment. There has to be cross promotion. You know, make sure you have that in your, you know, if you don't decide to do that in agreement, that's up to right. you, but right. it's just a little perspective. And I, again, I'm not in the content building business, but we yeah. do get exposed to a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and I also wanted to mention too, that the thoughts that I just shared with you also apply to my 
my work with the podcast academy as well so um just keep in mind um all these organizations are made up of groups of 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 people that represent the podcasting industry and 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 their thoughts are are just as valid as mine um in any kind of discussion around issues or topics in the medium um are discussed openly and freely in these in the meetings and in the conversations and you know we will all do the right thing um it's just you know sometimes we need to to get feedback and to learn from the priorities of the community to make things happen in in, in a way that everyone expects so and todd you know your comments about <clears throat> us you know both of our companies not being involved in content i think is a good segue um to talking about what was announced from art 19 this past week uh, of how they're they're moving into what I think is a little bit more aligned with what we've seen happen um, <clears throat> on the Stitcher side for many years with the, uh, you know, with Earwolf um, and Midroll. So they basically added a, a content side, content creation side, and an, and direct sales, which I thought they pretty much already had that. I think they probably just formalized it, but they've partnered with some um some content creators out there to create a uh, a division in the company that's going to create new podcast content kind of like what happened over at the mineral and the the um, stitcher company was creating content as well as a listening platform so i think what we're seeing uh, and i don't give, give me your thoughts is kind of a verticalization of the industry if you look at a lot of the bigger companies in the medium um whether you know spotify or are now the Sirius XM folks, they're acquiring companies that are giving them abilities that are basically across the whole spectrum of the ecosystem. And I think that's a big shift that's happening in the medium right now is that more of the companies that are involved in podcasting are doing more. And I think Todd, to some degree, your reflection of that too, are doing more than just one part of the ecosystem. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, I, I've stayed on this show before. I don't think I ever want to be in the content creation business. I, I just, uh, yeah. it's, yeah. it's not, I'd have to, you know, that what that requires is bringing on a whole team, you right. know, and, and a team would have to, a whole separate division to be able to work that and do that. And it, you know, that's creating, exactly what you have to do, Todd. Yeah. Creating content as a, as a, an official function of a company is in developing content and developing shows. Huh. that's expensive and it's risky well it's expensive and it and it does require a different type of um pool of talent right you right. know if you think about both the companies lipton and blueberry and and what our core competency is our core competency is technology right? right we're we're both technology companies and to some degree we're into ad sales and things like that sure. which is which is very much linked up with technology mm -hmm. um but once you get into the content business, that's kind of a different thing. And I, I saw that firsthand when I was working at podcast one <clears throat> for, for the one year that I was down there is that, you know, technology and content, it's sometimes a difficult fit together because the cultures are so different and the, the brains that are needed are so different, right? Um, that sometimes those cultures don't fit together. So you have to almost create a separate division from it and, and I believe that's what we're seeing happen in the market today with a lot of the, a lot of the big companies in the space is that they're creating separate groups that are just focused on that. 
And, you know, right. there's a lot of money coming into shows that are being built and launched. You look at right. these, uh, you know, they had the upfronts here just recently with mm -hmm. the, the presentations yeah. there. And, you know, yeah. so they're trying to sell those shows and sell episodes and, you know, get money coming into that, that content. So mm -hmm. when Art19 is doing this media division, right. you know, it's truly all about chasing dollars, you know, chasing advertising dollars of, from content. It's not really a pure, you know, they're not doing this because they love content. They're doing this because they want to make money off that right. content. And, uh, well, and I would, I would beg the question at this point, if you see the patterns that are happening at uh, some of the other bigger companies, is that, you know, we may see like an art 19, acquire a listening platform at some point, you know, I mean, you start thinking about the true verticalization of this, that is the logical next step, right? Especially if you want to produce any kind of exclusive subscription-based content, um, that's the piece that you need. And that's what the, what the Stitcher company had is they, they had a listening platform and they had the ad sales, they had the content creation piece, monetization um, is what they got when they got acquired, right? So things are, you know, you can kind of see how things are shaping if you really back up and you look at the 60,000 foot view down on what's happening. Um, I don't know what you think about that. Todd. Well, you know, I, I think it's going to evolve over time, but I think in the end, right. you know, if you look at the involvement of the space mm -hmm. and you look at new entrants that are even competing with, with us, because every new entrant is, uh, you're going to have something that they're going to try to differentiate, differentiate themselves. And that's fine. You know, that's what the space is for. And we all kind of look at what each other's doing and say, oh, that was cool. Or, or you say, mm, yeah, we'll see how that works out. But I think that uh, um, we are not immune. You know, we've understood where the space is going and we're, you know, we're making adjustments within our business models to make sure that we're serving the, the current crop of creators coming to the space to make sure that they're they're best served in what they want. Um, you know, it's part of our entire easy. It's part of our modernization plan. When you, when you're at 15 years and next week, uh, on Tuesday, blueberries, 15 years old, it's hard to believe, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we have to continue to involve. And as you said earlier, part of that involvement in keeping the heartbeat of what's going on in the podcasting space is we do this show. And we compare notes and we review what's being talked about in the space. And from that is formed ideas. You often will, you know, we don't talk a business. We don't talk shop about what each other's doing. If we did, we both would be probably fired. Um, you know, so what we do do though, is when we get done with this show, we walk away with some, probably some common ideas and we go back and say, Hey, by the way, look at this, you know, and, um, and, and we probably get some of the same takeaways. We've been doing this show long enough that we, we probably do that. So I think that gives us a little bit of a, a, an edge over maybe some of our competition because, you know, I don't think they're having these types of open public discussions. Maybe they're listening to the show, obviously. At right. least some of them are. And yeah. uh, so, you know, they have, to, they have to earn their stripes up into the space too. And and figure out what's yeah. going on and evolve. Yeah. And, and these open discussions that we have on this show are, you know, our, our motivation is to, is to build 
you know, a, an atmosphere of, of sharing and willingness to help each other as much as we can. And that's, that's always been my goal of doing this show. It isn't like, you know, Todd and I make money at this. If anything, no. it, it costs our time and, that's right. and, and Todd money on bandwidth because we are making the show available as a video podcast too. So, yep. and that's a big video file that goes out there. And, but it's, it's, it's all about, you know, giving people access to this show and, and, and we are welcoming of people joining us on this to talk about important issues in the medium and, and those things come up, you know, I'm, I'm going through the process right now with the podcast Academy. I can go into a lot of great details, but we're coming up with a, a detailed mission statement of what the organization is going to, you know, be all about. You know, I think this is a pivotal time in the medium to, to maybe address some issues uh, and an organization, you know, there needs to be an organization that kind of does that. And I think that the realization is coming to the, the podcast Academy that we need to serve a much bigger role in the medium than what has been, um, currently proposed. Um, and that's what's being discussed right now. So I think it's definitely a positive direction of what's, what, what's happening. Um, so, uh, you know, I, you know, this is, this is a very important time, you know, whether it be politically, environmentally, um, culturally, I mean, you just go, go through all the checkboxes of things that we're going through right now in this world and in our, our, our lives, it's, it's monumental right now. I don't know that there's ever been any time Todd and, and give me your thoughts too, where there's been so many aspects of human life that's under, uh, under strain and change right now. <laughs> well, I think that, um, I do, I don't want to get this show to get political at all. No, so, no, no, I'm not so I think, so I think that there's a, a myriad of things happening, at least here in the United States and with COVID and everything else going around that has fundamentally caused some shifting in, in thought process right. and everything and how business is done, how, we, you know, how we interact, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But in the end, as far as podcasting goes, where the rubber hits the road is content. And right. if, if you have something that you want to say, then you can say it. Then start your own podcast or do right. a podcast and, and put your opinions out there and do, do a 90 minutes twice a week and let, let things just be on the line and, uh, and, and, uh, we'll, we'll see how you fare. Right. Just, just realize though that, <laughs> um, openness doesn't, doesn't always, uh, come, come without a price. That's so, right. Um, there, there is a certain amount of uh, accountability that exists um, naturally from the crowd, right? Um, so, you know, if there's opinions, um, you know, around various topics, uh, you know, you may face that. You know, it, it it's been a common experience that I've had around doing radio or podcasting. That, you know, when you take a position, and that position can be represented in a lot of different ways. Um, some people aren't going to like it. And you have to have a little bit of a tough skin, you know, to be a podcaster, in my opinion. And I think Rob and I have been willing to really be opinionated when we need to be and, right. and call things as we see them. Does it make it, does it make us right? Maybe not, um, but, yeah. but guess what? It's our opinion and right. you can take it or leave it. And, um, right. so I think that is the, uh, that's the beauty about podcasting is, uh, 
you know, your words, your thoughts, you know, that's, you put it out there and it, it is what it is. But doing this, doing a show like this, and there's the train, Rob. Should we go run, jump a train? <laughs> doing a show like this where we're putting out our thoughts and processes of what we think about the podcasting space for 90 minutes twice a week. You know, who else is doing that? Yeah, I mean, you you take a you take a certain amount of risk, and I did that with my radio show for many years too. I mean, I got called out for topics that I had on that radio show too, and it's hey, it's part of you know if if you're getting called out for something or if somebody's saying something um, that you know maybe negative or something like that, it, hey, at least they're listening, right? Right. Um, I mean, I think that there has been you know a certain amount of um kind of how can i say kind of crowd um oriented shaming that's gone on um in the world just in general that is you know counterproductive sometimes but maybe there is you know maybe it is uh, positive in the bigger picture of things but um but yeah hey todd i wanted to mention <laughs> um this this other topic that that's an interesting thing to talk about sure. too and that's that's this concept of um being able to create a, a voice, um, agent profile of, of yourself. Oh um, yeah. And to create, um, um, audio content via written, I think, um, text. I think we talked a little bit about this before because some of the other major software packages has some of this capability. Yeah. Well, gets... one is the, the descript, um, uh, platform they have a product called with overdub, yep. which is basically it's being done as a way to to edit audio. Um, but what's been created now is the ability to um, add your audio based on text um, changes that you make to a transcript. So, you, so you can actually add things, add audio to your show based on a textual edit. That's kind of cheating, isn't it? You say something during your show, you're recording it and say, oops, I don't want that in there. Go ahead and go ahead and cut it out and uh, replace it with something else. Seems a I little bit. I don't know if it's cheating. or I mean, I think it raises a lot of issues. I mean, you could use this technology to, to write your whole episode and then you just run it through the software and it'll generate the audio file. I'd like to hear how that sounds. You actually saying it. Yeah, I'd like to hear how that sounds. I bet you that's real clear. I can well, see for two or three words. On that, it to, in it sounds pretty good so far well it's pretty scary too because someone could steal your words and uh, make put content out that wasn't created by you as well well that's that's the issue and that's that's why i raised the topic is that um i think that there there is a feeling um in in the medium to some degree as this technology develops that there is some risk of people creating um content uh, of things that you never said that's right? right They could, they could, they could create a fake conversation that was secretly recorded and put it out. And if it was, if it's fake, you could deny that you said it, but it's your voice being used to create that. There has to be some sort of protections put in here because this could be used vengefully by many, many different parties and people would have just, just tricksters would have fun doing stuff of all kinds of at all levels. Yeah. I mean, it is an interesting, um, methodology to maybe create post read ads, but 
<laughs> I mean, if you wanted to automate post read ad creation, would it uh, sound like this? Because they no, it actually doesn't sound like that. Actually, if you look at the technology, and I, I was looking at it, you can you can add emotions to what? the inflection, right? Hey, so that, if you that's even more scary. Like, I know you can make it sound serious, or you can make it sound um, passionate, or I mean, there's all these designations and how the verbal profiles that you create. So you as a content creator would go in and create a voice profile, right? You'd spend like 10 or 15 minutes voicing some things, which has been going on in, in right. voice, voice to text technology, where you go in and you train the software sure. right, with your voice. Well, this stuff is capturing that for reproduction, um, not so much straight transcription. So that's the evolution that happened here. But, but yeah, Todd, I mean, it raises all these ethical questions around, you know, a lot of technology can be used in a positive way and it can be used in a negative way. I, I think I always lean towards the crazy stuff that could be done because you look at it, every content creator out there, this show, we give them 90 minutes worth of voice sample. Right. And, yeah. uh, now, unless you have to read a specific sentence or something in that right. system to train it, right. you know, or do you just upload some audio and it learns your, your connotation? I think the technology is currently positioned that you have to actually voice it into the system. Uh, I don't believe that you can upload an audio file and have it replicate into a voice profile. All I right. think you have to actually speak it into a microphone. Well, so. That's, I guess that's a start. Well, I think it's, it's probably the best way to do it actually, um, for the, the platform, because in the platform control, what words you speak to better populate the algorithm. We don't have to worry about doing that in this show. We don't edit. <laughs> well, that, that may be the most dangerous thing to do, right? Because then it, then it's natural, right? Right. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's. These issues are complex, um, and there's positive uses for this technology, but there also could be abuses. Right. Well, I don't know. I, the good with the bad. Talk. Yeah, and, and they're being real spammy right now. That's the only thing I'm a little irritated with this script is they're hitting every RSS email address known to man right now. So you, every, every podcaster should have got an email from them, spam email from them saying, Hey, look at what we're doing. Come over here and give us a try. Yeah. Well, th this, this technology, the, the overdub technology I was talking about is actually rooted in a, in another technology called, um, was it a, a, a library or library? I think it's L Y R E B I R D is the name of it. It was a, I believe it was a, company that was started in the script actually acquired them i i believe and it, it was an ai research yes, project huh so, so i don't know if they were acquired or it, the script actually created it uh, i'm not sure so but anyway it's based up in canada and in uh, the script has an interesting uh they uh they want people to integrate with them. They don't want to integrate with anyone. It's uh a little bit discouraging because the like the Hindenburg folks, they integrate, they actively seek out, integrate with other platforms. 
the script right. says no you you have to come integrate with us and i'm like right. well why would i do that you know show me how many of my customers are over there using your platform to begin with so yeah. it's it is interesting from a tech side yeah they don't they want you to integrate to them versus them integrating to us right and i believe that they just announced that the overdub voices technology um it says that you can choose filler words to delete from your audio. Hmm. So, if, so if you say, um, um, or, ah, uh, or, you know, uh, words that don't add anything, the, the software will go in and automatically remove that from right. your audio. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's, uh, if, if you compare it to Adobe edition, um, you know, it's anywhere from, well, they've got a free trial, three hours, and then right. 12, 20, 12 and $24 a month. So mm-hmm. it, uh, it's still a monthly cost. Oh, actually, monthly is more expensive. You do monthly is 15 and 30. Annual is 12 and 24. Right. But I don't know how many people are actually using Descript. I don't know. I don't know. They do have some, some competitors out there. That's yeah yeah but um hey todd did you see this other initiative that was started by national public radio to make um the first localized daily news podcast (laughs) daily localized daily yeah Yeah, they yeah i don't pick some some cities around the country i believe that are cities yeah that are based on probably their national public radio affiliate station I would imagine. So they're going to have, and I, I read this too, they're going to basically have a set of base content and then they're going to stitch in local content. They've been doing this kind of stuff for many years around genres uh, where they'll take snippets of content and they'll create like a, like a climate change podcast or something like that. I think they dropped doing that, but, um, but it sounds like what they're trying to do is get a little more of, geographically targeted i think maybe support the local npr stations but Mm -hmm. um but i also um wonder too if this is gonna this trend is gonna push another change which may be needed is categorization uh and maybe a new rss tag um in the rss spec that's gonna be more focused on geolocation source um of where this content is sourcing from so so local i mean i think this has been around radio and i don't know if we've talked about on this show or not but it's been around radio for a long time right there's the listening apps that you can pull up you know like tune in or whatever is a good example that you can select a city let's say you live in seattle or whatever you can pull up all of the stations that are in seattle and listen to those you could we could conceivably do this with podcasts too. I think they're what they're really doing here, though, is going to be very expensive. Number one, and number two, I don't think that we'll see how those local communities grow those individual shows because, right? You know, also, I, when when I think of podcasts, I don't think local right now. It's also tapping into localized advertising. Yeah. So, which is a which is a huge area that radio has been tapping into for many years, right? That I think that radio feels a little bit under threat 
by by what's happening with people not spending as much time you know commuting right mm-hmm. um, and, and spending time with radio um that and you know i you know localized advertising is under threat for a lot of reasons well we local local folks don't have a lot of place to advertise right now besides radio right. because there's right. no the newspapers no one reads a newspaper well that plus there isn't a lot of newspapers around anymore right. right you know and some people you know some people in big cities but the newspapers that i get that i see and i actually picked one up two days ago just for some odd reason i went into a convenience store and saw it laying there and i grabbed it and it was the today's edition of my local re, local news and mm-hmm. everything in there was three four days old it was right. it was like wow is this is you know and then maybe one or two or three four local articles but the news was, you know, you, they could have had a, a one-sheeter with the, you know, with the, with the local stuff and the rest of it could have been thrown away because that's written, there was really no news. You know, the news was, you know, digitally, I had already received it. So right. that's part of the challenge too. So I think, you know, radio is still a good place for local people to advertise on, but the problem then is, is how do you, because rate, well, radio's had this, you know, th- they've had it two different ways. They say, oh, we've got this much listener share in this market. So if you live in a city that's got a hundred thousand people and they've got a, whatever their listener share is, that equals out to so many people listening, quote unquote. And then that's how they base their rate card on how much to charge for that advertising. Well, Okay, so that's been a hocus pocus method. It's been put together by Nielsen and others over the years to help radio charge really high advertising rates for that stuff they put on broadcast. If we could extrapolate podcast numbers into the type of radio numbers, boy, Rob, you and I would do very well. We could start a we could start a podcast locally and probably not need a day job because we could demand, you know, these extraordinary advertising rate right and not have to prove it but in digital you have to prove it and um so therein lies the difference so actually the advertisee in small communities will probably get more value and pay less money for reaching an actual audience that's not some contrived number that nielsen's come up with right and then and there's always been this opportunity um, for local podcast content. I, I believe it's just been a factor of numbers <clears throat> and marketing, um, you know, around how many people are even aware of podcasting and listening to podcasts on a regular basis. And then, then it's up to the platforms to make um, content that's originating out of um, any given location that a listener happens to be in kind of visible, right? as options radio's got the best if they played their cards right they they could make the transition to digital and it's gonna you know if if they did it's it's not a it's not a complicated formula so you take you take your radio content that you have today you keep producing it and then you start farming in local podcasters for sports for tech, for science, for home and garden, for lifestyle. 
and you count on them for two, three segments a week, you know, all of a sudden you got a viable local in the community interest radio station again, you know, and that's a big thing that, uh, most radio, you see, some, some of you don't know this, but radio has to file annually a document that basically, what did they do for the community? What was their community purpose? What was the community good that they delivered? And they have to account well, for. It's, it's called, it's like a public service. Right. Uh, stuff, right? Whether it's public service announcements or public service involvement, community, that's part of, part of their license, the FTC. Right. But it also includes local news, local highlights, it, it can, anything right. local they can count and put on that form. Right. And they have to, because you just can't play radio, can't play the music, just, you know, they just can't do just that and be in the public interest. So, but unfortunately, Public Utility Commission and all these other groups, there are all these folks that are over radio licensing, that they basically, I think it's just smoke and mirrors now on right. those type of documents they submit because there's very little true local radio. There's some, but you know, this is a way for them to once again, assure their, you know, their license can't be you. Oh, and you can, as a citizen, you can say, uh, I don't feel they're serving the public interest and right. you can complain, but no one does. Cause no one's listening to radio. At least in my opinion. They are. I'm just being and joking a little bit here. Yeah. yeah. And unlike seeing and it's different in other countries, but here at least in the United States, they they could solve their lifetime issues by their legacy issues by embracing some more podcast media, but I don't think they have the foresight to do it. Yeah. Majority of them. I would imagine though that the radio listening is coming back up again because I think people are out going, you know, out and about. I think I'm seeing more well, people, more people commuting to some degree than maybe were a few months ago. How long does it take to change someone's habit on what they listen to? Yeah, well, I kind of, I kind of went through that here recently. I did the whole Nielsen Journal thing, mm-hmm. you know, for for radio, and I found that. I, I think one day out of a week, I actually listen to radio. So um, I think you've got but, people sitting in their homes and most of what they hear on radio and TV is depressing. So they play something else. They play some music or. And, and Todd, you know, I have to say too, just to be totally frank and honest about it. When I, got picked to be one of those Nielsen, um, you know, journal people. Um, it caused me to think more about listening to radio, right? (laughs) Maybe I wouldn't have, um, naturally. Boy, they, they Uh, sure sucked you in for the two bucks they gave you. Well, I, I wanted to go through the process to see how I, how I felt about radio. And, and, and I think every person that goes through that journal process, has to has to think about that. Do they want to um, be a hundred percent honest about it, or do they want to listen to more radio that week? I mean, it, it does force you to to think about that, right? Um, whether you know, I chose to be to live my life 
same way I did. Right. But that thought crossed my memory or my, you know, my mind was, you know, d- you know, do I need to listen to radio more? Right? Did you? And, and that might skew the result. Did you need to listen to radio more? Did you get any, or was it the same old haka? I, I, I listened to the same thing that I've always, I mean, I tried to make it as honest right. to what I'm actually doing and not have it influence me in a way that would cause me to do something that wasn't what I would normally do. Right. The only time I listen to radio is if I am un, if, if I haven't got my car and set something up real easily to listen to via my mobile phone, whether it be a podcast or Spotify, Pandora, whatever, Apple music. If I haven't got that pre set up and I just jump in my car and I find myself going down the road and I don't want to deal with my phone too much and um so then i maybe will kick on a an fm station and try to find some music or something and i will usually be like seek 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 until i find something that's upbeat and i'll listen to it for 10 minutes and that'll be it but generally i'm on bluetooth or whatever and uh, listening to some content that i'd prearranged when i got the vehicle but you know if i jump in and forget about that i it's not the case. Yeah, and I think if you have a new vehicle, uh, like I do, I have a, I have a new Camry, um, that has built into it CarPlay. Yeah, mine and, does too. And and you just plug your iPhone in, and it you know launches CarPlay, and you know your navigation's right there, uh, podcasts are right there. So, my commute's eleven minutes, so I very rarely plug in my phone. <laughs> Yeah, right. in the car, you know, if I'm going on a road trip someplace, road tri- yeah, know. right. So, so that's, I mean, I think for for many people that have an iPhone, it it, it is pretty easy to connect. You know, if especially if you have a Toyota, but there's each of these vehicles has different capabilities. Some have Android Auto built into them, CarPlay. Some have just CarPlay. Some don't have any of them, right? Yeah. So, I think that's that's what's driving choice is that once you get hooked with podcasting and you have an iphone and you have a car that's got carplay in it you know you're gonna want to play the stuff you want to listen to rick said a podcaster had to comply with all these fcc regulations there would be few of them out there well the lucky thing is we don't go over airways and we don't have to comply with any of the stuff that fcc does but you can be a podcaster and be asked by a radio station to provide a three-minute clip of something and not have to file any of that paperwork is guess what the radio station still has to file all that paperwork. Well, Todd, I mean, do you think that there's a chance that the FCC could get involved in podcasting? Nope, nope, nope. If they do, they have to do YouTube, they have to do Instagram, they have to do everybody. Nope. If they do, it'd be a fell swoop for every creator. I don't see how they could ever possibly do that. Yeah. First of all, how do you prove Unless someone states, you know, a lot of podcasts, you have no clue where they originate. So how do you know where that podcast is even originating? It could be some American in Australia doing a podcast and you're outside the jurisdiction of the FCC because you're in Australia, you know? So. But could, could Apple be seen as a, as the equivalent of a radio station? Uh, let's hope not. Or, uh, Radio network. Well, what about Spotify? I don't think so because Same. it's all over the internet. So, 
Yeah, but just for what they do in the U.S. That that that's the question. I mean, obviously, outside of the U.S., it's out of out of the jurisdiction of the FTC. Yeah, who sees? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you think about what was done with uh, sales, right? That's that's what I'm concerned about. I don't know if if it's ever going. I mean, I, I I hope you're right. What I about sales? Oh, the sales in. tax. Where? Oh, I see you and. Me in Michigan right. buy something in Washington and have to right. pay Michigan sales tax. Right. I think that's fair because you're exchanging money, you know, right. and uh, that's money that you would have spent at your local, you know, right. hopefully at your local retailer and it, that income tax would have went back to, or sales tax would have went back to the state. So I'm sure that was welcome revenue back to, yeah, I just wonder if at some point down the line here, you know, maybe it's another 10 years or whatever, that radio starts to decline to the point where the FCC is like going, well, everybody's moving over to listening on the internet, so we're going to regulate that. Well, maybe the so. FCC should go away then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as radio and broadcast television will be around, right, they're probably right, still going to be right. around. Right? But, you know, you, you think about it and you're like, well, if radio's on decline, maybe FCC's influence should decline. Yeah, anytime well, you can get rid of a government agency, that's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose that's true. <laughs> because the FCC has become nothing more than a political arm, because it's been politicized heavily. The well, FCC, well, you know, so every time you have an administration change, all the all the st- you know all the people on the FCC chair are all swapped out with new, you know, with the you know, new talking heads that, that answer to the administration. So the problem is the FCC is politicized. You could make that point about every government. Well, that's probably true too. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what you see though is, um, some have more influence than others in some of the things that they change. So, but I guess if you're involved in that industry, you probably say that, you know, that it, government agencies, you know, has a big effect on your company. You know, we're, we're talking about communication. So I bet you if you were in the education business, then you would probably say, well, the DOE, you know, the, you know, the federal government's department, you know, will probably has a big effect on education too. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> Every administration change has a change in yeah. everything. Yeah. And then also one other thing too is the American Disabilities Act too. Um, has an impact on podcasting. I mean, it's it's about 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 accessibility right. um, to to this medium, and and you know whether it be closed captions or otherwise, there is legal um, terminology that that's out there that kind of it's more positioned towards radio, well, uh, in, radio in and broadcast, right? Yeah, um, but it does kind of kind of. Uh, imply audio right which is um uh, which could be construed over to the internet and i do believe that some of the platforms are starting to embrace ada requirements uh, around audio listening and closed captions and those kind of things yeah. and i i believe that the industry is moving that direction anyway I with transcriptions so right yeah i think it's a good good trend line on that and this is this is one of the reasons why apple 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 we do need some some tags. You know, we really do. We need some new tags uh, 
to address some of this stuff. And if, you know, well, and I think that, I mean, as we start going through the list, I'm starting to think more and more, um, issues and areas that we need to come together as an industry to, to suggest and have as, and across the industry is like you said, new, some new tag, yeah. um, to address some of these issues that are, that are brewing in the medium and opportunities too. I mean, I think that those are, you know, localized content to tags for this kind of stuff, uh, around, you know, accessibility and transcriptions and, and, you know, some of the tag suggestions and hopefully that's what the podcast Academy foster that industry communication is what I, you know, I, I, you know, what you and I tried to start with the RSS coalition, um, you know, I think what we, here's the problem. And people, I've gotten some emails. Why are you asking Apple to do that? Well, Well, here's the thing. They need to be involved. (laughs) Well, no, I can announce, Todd, I I could Monday afternoon, after I got my blog post together, I could announce six or seven tags that we need right now. I say Blueberry is going, and I'll talk to my team, say we're going to promote and push these seven new tags. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to do more harm than good because, oh, fuck, Blueberry. We don't want to do that. That's their sandbox. Why are they, why are they going on on their own? We don't want to show like we're following them. We don't want to show like we're that, you know. So the problem is, is I can announce these tags. We could maybe even Libsyn and us could announce these new tags together, but then it's not industry. It's just Todd and Rob. Right. And I mean, the listening apps need to, or the directories need to support it. Everybody so, has yeah. to support right. it. And the only way to get everyone to support it is if someone with a big enough pull, Google or Apple, yeah. introduce these new tags then we're good because then the app developers have to say, Oh, I got to support this. Or, or we have an industry organization that has all those people involved that all agree to it. Right. Which, you know, getting, you know, which we've seen, you know, active involvement from, from, uh, a lot of the big platforms, um, with the RSS coalition, just the few meetings that we had, we yeah. had a lot of big players interested in contributing to that conversation. So I think it's, it's something that needs to happen. There's a the question. And I, I, I believe that the industry wants to see it happen. Yeah. We just need to create a atmosphere where it can. And Rick, current tags are not outdated. We need some additional tags. Right. It's not trying yeah. to replace no. tags. What we need is some new, some new tag. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. We got to be able to have a way to, to, to be able to put in the metadata a transcript. We have to put in the metadata way to put a, a closed caption file because the two are not the same. Right. We have to have the ability to do country of origin of, of content. Where where does this content originate from? Or but, city, or, and like, state, country, okay. all that. Stuff. Right. So if you want to do geographical tagging, you know, just these. Or even language too. Uh, yeah, language that's too. That's the other part too. Or you know, this issue came up too around multi-language. Um, right. This issue came up this past week around podcasts that are being produced in two languages at the same time. I don't know if you've heard about this, Todd, but 
there are Spanish podcasts that are being created that are being voiced in Spanish and English together. Well, I had a guest on uh, Podcast Insider who was doing a bilingual show on one show, French right, and exactly English, what, it, within yeah. the same show. Right. <laughs> Not two separate shows. One exactly. show was bilingual. Right. Exactly. Where they say the same thing <clears throat> in two different languages yep. in in the timeline of the episode. Oh, this wasn't like this. Is that where I'm speaking English and you're speaking French? <laughs> oh, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that can happen as well. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. But I, mean, I know what you're no, saying. Where content I'm is about shows that repurpose. either break up the content, yeah. the same content into multiple segments in different yeah. languages. So you could have an English version at the beginning and then you break off into a Spanish version for the end. So same content. So, so I can put together a solution internally where every blueberry customer could put in a closed caption file in something we develop. And then our player would be able to do closed caption playback in our player, but that's really not a solution. That's, that's, um, that's that's not something that transcends where the cod because people a very small number of people are consuming content on websites so it has to transcend into the the apps and um all it would take is one app developer to say hey i'm supporting this new tag for closed caption right and, and if, i mean Todd, if we're talking about you know ethnic diversity multi-language if we're you know and i believe that this industry is all in on that yeah uh, they are these are things that we need to think about and embrace and be able to communicate in the metadata so listeners know what they're getting with this podcast that's in two languages or whatever because mm -hmm. the current structures of the listening platforms today don't embrace this yeah so what it's, as, as Rob says, the current tags are insufficient for today. So right. it's true. And um, I guess, you know, we can go out on a limb and start it, but, you know, what? Well, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast right now. And hopefully we'll, we'll see um, some movement on that in the next couple months. So, so it's almost like you guys got to form a technical arm. Well, I don't believe we have anything yet. Uh, I just think there's a recognition of the need and mm -hmm. there's really no one else in the industry right now that's positioned that could potentially do it. So, I you know, that's, I mean, that's and, and even if we ask Adam to add those tags, I don't think it's again, it's a one off. Right. You I know, mean, I think Adam would support him. I think so too. He may not fully, he'd have, he'd have to be, he'd have to be, we'd have to explain to him what the purpose for well, each of these tags are. Well, he needs to be involved in the process. Yeah. I mean, if he's going to have an open directory. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we've got a short list already of, you know, suggested tags. We've, I've got it right here, you know, in, in chats that have been developed over like the past year. Yeah. You I know. And you and I have talked to Apple, we've talked to Google, you know, we've talked to Pandora, we've talked to all the, I mean, about this concept, everybody's pretty much on board with it, the idea. It's just making it happen. You know, and, and here's the thing, I, you know, I say, come on, Google, come on, Apple, but here's what 
they would have to do. See, I, I'm invoking work on their end. If I tell them, yeah, if I ask, do. if I've asked them to add a, a closed caption tag to right. the iTunes spec or the Apple podcast spec, excuse me, and they add that, then they have to gear up and get Make their app. They have their gear will have to support that tag. I mean, they're at the podcast, all their stuff then will have to support it. So then oh, it, it creates a domino effect. Right. No question. Cause it, it starts at the database <laughs> parsing and goes all the way through the user experience. Right. So I'm, I'm invoking, you know, man hour work. I'm probably invoking, right. you know, three months of work or four months or six months of work to support all this stuff. So for me saying it is, you know, come on, come on, come on. Right. It's not good enough. It's because they have to go back and say, Hey, you know, and they're inter- I'm sure their internal conversations are already. Can we do this? Should we do this? Added to their roadmap and when can we do this? And right. when's their budget and when there's development time. And so we're not going to announce something unless we're three months out or whatever it may be. Where's, where's the value to us to do that? Right. right. That's right. the other piece of this that always gets brought up. Are our users looking for this? Right. Or what is the advantage or competitive advantage to us doing this? If we don't do it and everybody else does it. Yep then we look bad, right? We've That's, always, we've always prided ourselves on the accessibility of podcasting in most instances. The part that's lacking is closed caption. That's the right. piece that truly at this point missing, you know, and here's the, here's the problem too, Rob. If, if you say, okay, we're going to support closed captioning. There are technical specifications of accuracy that have to be met to meet, to be, call your stuff closed caption. So is it going to be good enough to right. not call it closed captioning? Excuse what does Google call it? Google YouTube. YouTube doesn't quote closed captioning. YouTube, um, they have a word for it. I think we've talked about this before, but the accuracy of transcriptions is starting to get pretty high. Uh, um, automated is still like 85 to 90. Um, right. I've talked to a couple of companies that are more than 95 to 97 range. But not free. <laughs> oh, well, free. I mean, cost is a whole different yeah. conversation. Right. Um, I think they call it subtitles. So, you know, so the next question is, so really then, okay, let's, let's say for the sake of argument that today we can get a 90% or 85% accuracy solution. And that would be. That's without voice training. Right. It's. Eight, it's an 85% across the board solution today we can enable and just about every podcaster could get an 85% accurate file, their transcript of their file that could have the necessary meta marks in it to make it a closed. Again, I don't want to use it closed caption because there you have to be careful. That's a loaded, that's a loaded term. It's a loaded right. term that has legal connotation behind it. Right. Yeah. And I think you Let's, have to, to enclose caption. I think you, to be a closed caption, true closed caption, I think you have to be like 97% or greater. And, 
Yeah. And one of the big determinants in accuracy is accent language. Right. And one of the problems is, is that a, a lot of these technologies that exist today are not very good at uh, accents or various languages yet. Um, that, I mean, they're focused primarily on English because mm-hmm. that's where they see the majority of the content. But once we start expanding multi-language or podcasts that are in multiple languages, um, you know, it kind of throws a monkey wrench into their algorithms currently. But I know that they're they're working. So, um, YouTube had a, a section where you could go in and take the automated, what they came up with their automated system, and you could right. edit. So they had a, a community contribution feature that they would allow the fan base to go in and edit and fix the transcript to make uh, the accuracy. Well, crowdsource. guess what? It, they, they shut it down because <laughs> um, it's actually going to be discontinued at the end of this month because there was not enough participation. Probably. Right. Not well, that, participation. I mean, it's, it's to some degree, it's like what happened to Wikipedia uh, in the early days. Well, there was spam, abuse, all kinds of stuff was being done. Right. And that, that's the, the danger of crowdsourcing this type of stuff. So I hear a lot of people talking about, well, you need to provide this. Well, okay. So if you say you want it provided then, and it becomes a consensus of the podcasting community, they want to provide this, there's going to be the haves and haves nots. The haves will be the people that can afford to get to the 97% solution and pay. And there'll be the have nots that can't afford to pay, but are only going to get to the 85% level. So is, are the, is, is our podcasters going to be shamed then when they have only an 85% accessibility solution for captions? I don't think so, Todd, but I think that there, there's a risk there uh, for the podcaster to be putting out transcripts that are not accurate. Because what if a word gets put in there that doesn't reflect what was actually said in the podcast, that there could be you know, legal liability? Well, not if the audio is original. <laughs> I don't think so, but it definitely would be, could be a perception issue for someone that right. is uh, reading it that is unable to hear it. Right. Exactly. It's just a danger area. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, adding more accessibility. I, I think we just need to figure out how we can do it. And, you know, I think what we need to do is ask, you know, I don't know if we've gotten we're assuming so who should be answering this is those that are affected yeah yeah you know and that's 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 where the feedback but at the same time you know there are i am almost guaranteed there is a huge segment of the people that are not getting access to podcast content that are very angry about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I agree. So. And are probably not even trying to listen to podcasting because they realize that it's not accessible to them. Right. So then if we do provide, let's say, let's just start with baby stuff. So let's say that we get the tr- a transcript tag where JAWS can understand that there is a transcript of a show link and they can load that file and, and listen to it. Then mm-hmm. a transcript, then even an 85% to 90% accuracy it may have to come with some disclaimers. Right. You know, the disclaimer at the beginning of the transcript may say that this file has not been edited. It's been raw. It's been you know, computer generated by artificial intelligence. If there are errors, we're not responsible or, you know, we're sorry yeah. or whatever the message may be. And just realize that this technology is going to get better over time. Yeah. And it's gotten dramatically better than what it was just a few years ago. And, and, um, and I am sure that is why Google is waiting to make transcripts available is the accuracy piece. And I don't believe that Apple's made theirs available either yet. No. Have they? I didn't think so. I didn't so. know Apple so, was doing transcripts. Uh, hmm. I thought they were. Yeah. Behind the scenes. Well, that, you might have just broke news. At least with me. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I don't I don't know either. Maybe I misconstrued that, but I thought that that was that was gone, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, with the there's plenty of services out there that, you know, if you have some dev skills, Amazon has a transcript system. You can run into Amazon's, you know, Am, but again, it's uh, only as accurate as the the tech allows and yeah. and again you have someone with an accent or maybe even a speech impediment or something like that and then you are in trouble these systems don't do well with that right right i look at my niece you know after the uh spending uh many months in riley's children's hospital and having been incubated for a very very long time and lucky to be alive when she came out of that. Her quiet. She did, she she's she communicates beautifully, no problem. But she's just very quiet, and you can barely hear her. So when she speaks, I have to sometimes I have to get a little closer to her to be able to hear her. So um, these systems have a hard time with the uh, with audio that's not at the right levels and it just goes, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. There's a lot of issues. I mean, even <clears throat> the accessibility of podcasts in like uh, web players, you know, those kind of things yep. too. And, and I know I, I checked on this here with the new web player that's coming from, from us. Uh, it's going to be fully accessible. So, yeah. you know, it's, we had made a, um, but, Six, eight weeks ago, we'd made a cha- little change to our web player and uh, we screwed something up. And uh, we got a note from it a couple of days after it was really say, hey, you, you broke accessibility. And that become priority one, priority hotfix. That was, you know, right. all stop. And we went in right. within like three hours, we had a hotfix out and got it fixed. But, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know if everyone is doing that. I don't know if everyone's checking accessibility. But we got enough users that that count on us for being accessible. That, right. but then again, it's not closed caption, so that piece is missing. Right. 
And here's what's sad, Rob. They didn't even know we're having this conversation. Right. Yeah, that's true. So therein yeah. lies, I guess, some, you know, that part puts of, it in perspective. Doesn't right. It? it does. So what say you? Y'all listen to us. What do you think? You know, you can drop us an email. You know, and if, if Google or Apple's listening and, you know, what, what do you think the best way ahead is? I, I, you know, seriously, though, we, we, we want to continue. And is this the way? Is the Podcast Academy the way to get it done? Or does just someone have to stick their neck out and get it chopped off and say, here's what the tags are? I think it has to be approached just like what was done with the, the, um, the IAB. You know, where people get together and share their ideas and you work on a common document and you get agreement and direction and you get feedback from the community and, and voila, you have something that you can share with all the listening platforms to say, this is, this is where we think we need to go. And this is what the community thinks. Yep. And I think That's, the key is getting consensus. It's the key to get is getting consensus because. You know, I've already been down the road of introducing tags. I know that doesn't work. And I think we're still going to face the issue of, of individual companies coming out with um, updates to their own namespace. That's I think fine. Apple's a good example, right? Yeah. They could come out with their own tag for this, yeah. right? Which is okay. And they I have don't, every right to do that. But if we do it, maybe they don't have to do it. Right. You know. That is true. That is true. But. We both know Apple's namespace is the default <laughs> namespace for podcasts. Yeah. And even though some of it's duplicated with standard RSS stuff. Right. <gasps> yeah. So, you know, any change that we make needs to embrace Apple. No question about it. Someone says, uh, lately, A-L-E-X-A has been pulling the podcast I listen to from Apple Podcast. I don't have a skill for it. So well, you don't need one. It's pulling it from Apple Podcast. Right? Yeah. Some people had skills for their shows. Uh I, Elaine says, actually Facebook Live can generate auto captions. And since you both speak clearly, they might be pretty accurate. But again, I almost bet you'd be eighty five percent. Eighty five to ninety one, ninety two percent, which ADA wise is not so maybe they just don't, maybe they just don't make a lot of it and don't say it. I, you know, I think well, of it from a full legal perspective. Well, I mean, a lot of the closed captions were done for television shows, um, and movies were done by hand. Well, that's why they have a 97 plus percent accuracy rate. Probably harder than that. Well, I'm sure yeah. because that's paid. I was talking with yeah. a company that it does this. displayed on the movie screen. Yeah. I talked, <laughs> I talked with the a company that does this business. Right. I said, what does this cost? And you know what? And I was kind of like, really? You know, you thought your podcast hosting was expensive. Right. You know, let's, let's talk about $300 an hour. Right. To get ADA and, qualified and, closed caption. And movies and TV shows can afford to do it. And actually they pay more. 
Right. Because they, they want to get a hundred percent accuracy. I was talking about low, but budget, low budget and closed captioning, you know, right. Right. $300 an hour. So just to do this show, 450 bucks to get a 97% plus closed caption qualified file that meets ADA wow. standards. Yeah. That's, that's. I'm talking to a couple of companies that are getting there for a whole lot less than that. But not at the high accuracy rate. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. But it's, it's still. But it's what, coming. It's coming. But it's, what was? But what is the cost? You know, what is the estimated cost? It's still not cheap. Regardless. Well, it's it's going to be going to be like everything else going to be volume based, right? So right. That's that's where the costs but, are going to come down. But, the more content that gets on board, the cheaper it's going to be. But the problem is, it's not going to be done by humans is still computer generated i believe that the top ones are going to give a premium option to right, select right that editing of that last three percent even to get if, you can't get can to you can't get to 97 percent with a computer it, it depends and and i i'm gonna i'm gonna say that what was what's going on with the script right now with the the overdub might be the answer, but it also comes with some baggage, right? If you create a voice profile of yourself in the system that's doing the transcription, you're going to have a much higher accuracy. But anyway. Rick we'll asks, see. speaking of podcasters, what are your thoughts on podcasts and the Roku right now? Well, Roku has fell off the planet as far as podcast consumption goes. Yeah, I don't. That's that's a video platform. You know, we had some some success early on, early but it was early. Right. We so we are apps thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, and of course, there was nothing else to look at. So, right. Eileen says, "I don't think there's such a thing as ninety-seven percent accuracy on any live streaming, even sports. I don't see how that could be possible. Most of those live sports events are being done by hand. Yeah, those by are not an actual actual person, person typing. typing. Right. That's the only way they can do it. Right. It's not being done computer generated. You've got to be a fast typist. There <laughs> they are. You know, and they actually have like two or three people that are, you know, they they work for a couple of minutes and." And the next person takes over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah it's, yeah. and you notice if you ever turn on closed captioning for sports, like it's it. way behind, right. you know? So, I mean, well, you say way behind, but it's probably a, a few seconds, but yeah, it's yeah, behind. It's behind. Well, you know, it, you can see it, it has to be Todd. You can't write no. this. It's coming out of their mouth, right? Because you don't right. know what's so coming out of their mouth. Yeah. So, so, so anyway. And yeah. I, I would be interested what a live streaming sports event is on accuracy. That would be interesting to know that statistic. I've, I've seen misspellings happen before. Oh, me too. You. you see them all the time. <laughs> You know, but you get the gist of the word, but then it did, you know, it, but there's definitely the person hit the wrong three keys. <laughs> right. It's almost like short, shorthand. Right. That's what it looks like it is. It is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and right. if I was, if I was, had my eyes closed listening to that, 
or even worse, a Braille reader, you know, it, uh, it, it all depends on what, you know, what the disability is. Yeah. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time on this. So you can tell Rob and I have been thinking about this a little bit as well as a lot of other people, I think. Well, there's a lot of issues to think about right now. And, you know, and we're just trying, what we're trying to do is, you know, be good community steward, you know, trying yeah. to serve everybody. Right. Well, yeah. And be good for our companies, be good for our own efforts in the medium and just, you know, like be consistent with who we've been in the medium all these years. Right. This help move the medium forward in a positive direction. Yep. Well, we've got about right. five or six minutes left. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there any questions or comments that you want to mention from the community? I'm just L- looking at listening to this. I'm just anything? looking at the, let me see if anything's on YouTube. Been getting the, uh, the commentary here. Nothing uh, from the YouTube. We've got quite a few people watching on YouTube. So you guys can comment on YouTube. I still watch it over there. Um, let's see here. Let's go back. Yeah, I see that there's a uh, a podcasting magazine that's been started in the UK. It's called Pod Bible. Interesting that, name, news. right? Why would you call it Pod Bible? Oh. Well, it is what it is. It is what it is, right? And I know that there's efforts, um, you know, with Steve Ulsher around podcast magazine. Yeah, I haven't so, heard too much from them lately. Yeah, he's still he's still doing his publications, and I know he's doing his uh, new media virtual new media summit. I think in a week or so, but yep. that's kind of a paid paid thing. So, by the way, we forgot to mention this. Rob and I are both appearing on the on Indie PodCon. <clears throat> right. So you're doing your session today, and today, I'm doing mine tomorrow at four twenty Eastern. Yeah, I do mine at. 625 Eastern. It's a, and then, um, you get 20 minutes. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's the easy, easiest presentation sure. I've ever put together. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, the conference is going on right now. So at, uh, indie podcasters.com. Right. So what's your topic Todd, that you're going to talk I'm about? I'm going to talk about the, about private podcasting and, uh, right. yeah. you know, what should you, can you, what you need to watch out for, and does it really make sense to do it? So right. I'm going to talk about the, you know, the, the difference between implied security and explicit security. I'm going to talk about, um, you know, if you do this as is, is a, just like if you do a, um, you know, levels within uh, Patreon, you have to determine, do you have enough people to pay for this to make it worthwhile? You know, yeah. especially if you're going to make it like bonus material and that kind of stuff. So some of it's common sense, but you know, we were getting a lot of people that are asking us, Hey, we want to do premium podcasting and you sure let's have a discussion. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, the question I always ask is, uh, you know, how many people do you think are going to get subscribed to right. this and how much time are you going to put into it? It's a, it's a timing issue, right? I mean, when is the right time to turn on something like that? Mm-hmm. Is it a- after you've built an audience or is it, you know, 
at the beginning. And some people, though, there's a, they have a valuable content. Maybe they have training or right. premium right. consulting or something like that. Right. So right. for some, it, they don't need big audiences to, to, make it, to make it work. How about you? Right. What are you going to be talking about? Um, the power and how to build community around your podcast. Mm. So, and that's always a topic, you know, it's, it's a derivative topic of, of, um, you know, listeners, emotional connections with hosts. And then also, you know, how to, um, create content that engages with, with listeners at a deeper level. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm six twenty five tonight. You are what time? Four four twenty on Sunday. All right, that's East. Awesome. So uh, look forward to seeing you guys at IndiePodCon. Those of you that are attending, and uh, I just finally found some emails from Joe. He's, I had. How was your email inbox this week, Rob? Mm, normal. <laughs> Mine was better. Crazy. Mine was better. Um, I started out one week with 800 in my inbox after uh, yeah wow. it was crazy that's a, lot. that's a lot well i mean it's i mean it was a, a relatively slow week really because it was a holiday week right so, so it's, really <laughs> well i mean relatively slower yeah i'm I thinking mean, myself take, take yeah i'm off right so but where are they going you know uh well that's true what we see is when people take time off they work on their podcasts well, and then yes, we, well that's true <laughs> I'm not saying there was nothing going on. I'm just saying that there were a certain amount of people taking time off. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Todd. Well, I guess we're wrapped up. We're at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, we made it. We made it. Todd. I had it, no idea what we were going to talk about today, had no but we clue. managed to figure some stuff out, didn't we? No clue. But we always <laughs> figured it out. And we had people that tuned in and watch us. I can't believe it. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, thanks for being part of our little, uh, little family here. Todd at blueberry.com is my email address at geek news is yeah. my Twitter, Rob. And I'm Rob G at Lipton.com is my email. And you can certainly send me an email with questions, comments, uh, criticisms, whatever you feel like you need to communicate to us. And, um, I'm, I'm on Twitter as well at Rob Greenley. And if you think we should have somebody uh, on the show, let us know if you want to yeah. be on the show let us know and uh, happy to have you on have a discussion so yeah. uh, everyone take care we'll see you next see you wednesday at 3 p.m eastern right and we'll be back with you with another edition everyone take care see you next time bye bye